welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Very exciting to be able to preach today and so grateful. Pastor Rob Ketterling is our lead pastor and you will normally see him on the screen as we are one church, multiple locations. We are one of nine locations and we are in, and we're one of the locations in Woodbury, obviously hitting the east side hard. And we're grateful to be able to be here and Pastor Rob, our lead pastor, you'll typically hear from him. Um, and then throughout the course of well, about once every six to eight weeks or so, uh, you will have a staff member preach, typically myself um, or Pastor Matt. And so we are grateful for the opportunity that Pastor Rob just gives us to be able to preach and to teach and to be a blessing. So thankful for him and Becca, our lead pastors. Um, they are awesome. And I get to share today. And I've been thinking about the new building and the opportunity. And it'd only be appropriate for me to be able to share a little bit on not just that, but also just to say there's something special about our church. And if you agree with that, I need to get an amen if you are believing something special is going on in our church. I mean, let's go. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I know I'm not preaching to myself. I know I'm preaching to you guys out there. So let's, you got you to pull on that because here's the deal is that there's something special. When we, I just, when you see, and I know what comes from um, when you have Pastor Matt and Jessica who are fantastic team members that are leading the youth and they're so, and he's our, he's our, uh, youth pastor and associate pastor. I don't know where he was typically sitting right there, but he just makes a noise for Pastor Matt and Jessica for being amazing. That's part of the reason why our community is great. Because Pastor Matt, um, if you're new here, I married Matt and Jess back in the day. Love them. I get to be on the journey with them and they are awesome couple and we are so very close. And not only that, I'm grateful because we have um, our worship leader, Miranda, and her husband, Austin, who's on the soundboard. Can you make some noise for them? They are just an incredible team. And you know what makes a great church is a great team. You know what I'm saying? And you know, we need those team members to be able to rise up and to be together. And we get to do life together. We do stay fair together. We do a lot of things together. And you know, obviously behind um, every great church is a great woman who is the pastor's wife. So the amazing Heidi, love you, babe. Thanks for being amazing. <laughs> Heidi, who is... A uh, woman extraordinaire who does, um, she works at Edward Jones and then she pastors wife um, throughout the week and we worship and praise on the weekends and then she makes the kids get some to soccer and Anya to uh, school. I mean, it's crazy how this all works. So thanks for being amazing, but it's a great team. It's just, you got to have great teamwork. And when you're looking at teamwork, part of that, everything flows from that into this church, that this church is not um, just something that is, um, you know, this not just an, uh, it's just an idea, but we are the kingdom of God at work in our community and we need each other. We need each other. And we are here together to say there's something special about our church because we are moving ourselves a position to love each other, to lift each other up, to encourage each other. Um, and I'm going to be talking about that today about how the power of having a great community. And I'm, and if you're here, I hope this message inspires you because there is something to, to the truth that we do need each other. We really do. I mean, I think of the other day, I was confronted with a very evil entity in my house, Arachnid Dethicus, aka 
spider. And it was in her house, and I saw it. And you know what? When it comes down to the spider battles in her house, do you want to know who's not at the helm of that? Heidi's running the opposite direction, okay? Um, Magnus, or excuse me, Anya is screaming on a chair somewhere. Magnus is like, Dad, there's a spider, and um, I think you need to get it, and I'll be right behind you. And I'm like, so I'm trying to teach my son the ways of spider killing. But you know what? What happens is when the spider's there, here's the thing. No one's taking it out. There has been moments when I've been gone, and they said, Dad, we couldn't kill the spider. Now it's been lurking all weekend, and now you have to find it. Because I am the spider killer. They need me. I am the spider killer killer extraordinaire. All right. Now I, here's one thing I realized is that I need Heidi because in every, you know, as you look at your marriage, you see the, the compliments of each other. I would say I am the fire. I'm the caliente, which is amazing. I am the, I come in with the passion and I am hot. And when I'm on four quad espressos, uh, when I do a quad espresso in the morning, um, it's like few people have lived to tell about it when you're with me because I am off the charts. All right. But Heidi is the ground. She's my earth. She is the one that grounds me. And she is the little details. I am big picture. I set the big picture on fire, apparently. And Heidi keeps the ground, and she's my earth. So thank you for grounding me, Heidi, because I need it. Like, I need her. Like, there, you need people in your life to be able to help you get to where you need to go. I am, I just went, and my kids, I'm just like, hey, I just want to, I just, my, my son goes, Dad, he goes, I just want you to play a video game with me. And I go, okay, let's go ahead and do it. So all of a sudden, I go in and I pick up an Xbox controller, and there's like 18,000 buttons on it versus the joystick and the single red button. If you an Atari fan like me, going old school, I go, I have no idea how to work this son. So I'm trying to like take out an army infantry troop in a Call of Duty game or something like that. And my son was like, Dad, this is how this works. What you want to do is you want to do A, push back, hold B down, hit the buttons at the top. I'm just like, I don't know how you kids do it these days, the teens and their crazy controllers these days. I have no idea how it works. But I realized my son's like, Dad, here's how you do it. And I'm like, I need my son to show me not only how to work an Xbox controller, but how to connect my Bluetooth and how to get my car. My daughter connected my phone to my Bluetooth in my car. I'm like, this is great. Thank you, sweetheart. Like, thank you for young people that are in helping me how to be techie. And it's awesome. It's like we need each other, right? You're not meant to do life alone. Even it says in the Bible, God says in Genesis 1.28, he says, let us make man in our image. I like that. There's an us and an our in how God functions. That if God in his very nature in the very first book of the Bible says, when we want to get stuff done and we want to work together, it's like, here's how it works. The Holy Spirit hovered over the chaos, brought order to the chaos. Jesus creates according to Colossians, and God the Father oversees it all. They all work together, and they work together. Us make man in our image. If you're going to create, you need an us to be able to make something great. You need an us. We all need an us. You're not meant to do life alone. If you are a solo person in here, it's, I'm not talking about being single or married. I'm talking about you need biblical community. And the worst thing you can do to yourself is put yourself in a position of where you are going solo. Now, we go solo for a few reasons. One is you might be an introvert and you're like, putting yourself out there is really difficult. I have zero problems with that. But my wife is more introverted. So I, she's like, when we go to parties, she's like, Stakes, hover close to me today because I'm working. And I'm like, I get it. I know how that works. Then there's those that will go and say, hey, I am a... 
Um, you're just saying, hey, you know what? Um, I've been burned in the past and I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to just put a wall up. I'm going to distance myself because I'll get hurt again. So I will never open up. Sometimes you have some of those kind of situations or you've been hurt by a biblical a church in the past or a biblical community in the past that's let you down or a leader or a parent or whatever it is. And you're just like, I'll, you know, you set those rules and those boundaries up. And I want to come against those today to say that we are, we will be a church that will rely on each other and we will need each other because Paul talks about this in Philippians. And this is where our text is going to be. And I'll unpack this text and why that's important for what I'm talking about. But it says this in Philippians 1, 3 through 6. Um, I'll pull it up on the screen. This is the Passion Translation, um, but I'll read it to you. It says, my prayers for you are full of praise to God as I give him thanks for you with great joy. I'm so grateful for our union and our enduring partnership that began the first time I presented to you the gospel. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this verse. It's very similar to if you have um, and the New King James Version that I study out of. It's like, he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. I give thanks for you with joy because he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. That's a great promise and that's a great text. And if you look at this text, if you see this, you have to look at this. The book of Philippians is because there was a church. It's, it's, it's a letter written to a church. So when you're reading the book of Philippians, it's written to believers. It's written to Christians. And so the Philippian church started, if you remember the story, one of the coolest stories in Acts 16, there was a moment where, um, even before then, Paul was like, I'm going to go to Asia. I'm going to minister to the people in Asia. And then he gets a dream from a Macedonian in the Bible. And he kind of gets his dream. And this Macedonian man says, you got to go to Europe. You got to move the opposite direction of where you're going. And so he gets that. He leans into that. And as he's leaning into it, he ends up in Philippi. And Philippi was this city that was there. And the story goes, as they began to preach Jesus in the city, all of a sudden, um, people started getting upset. People started saying, why are you preaching about Christ? There's more than one way to God. Have you heard about Zeus? Have you heard about, um, have you heard about Gnosticism and a bunch of other cool ideas of what spirituality is like? There's a lot of different spirituality going on. So why in the world are you trying to tell me that there's only one way to faith? So much so that they go in and they take them and they throw them into jail, that they get jailed for being a Christian. And while they're in jail, what does Paul do? Paul says, I'm not going to let jail slow my roll. He's like, prison is not going to do anything for me. So what do they do? They basically um, go in and they start singing praise and worship songs. And as they're singing praise and worship songs, all of a sudden, as they're worshiping, the chains come off, the doors fly open, and the jailer, like the head jailer dude that's sitting there, he's just like, uh, he doesn't know what to do. So he's like, uh, can I get some help here? This is pretty crazy. Uh, the doors are flying open. Criminals are getting out. I don't know what's going to go on. And he sees, and Paul comes up to him, and he says, hey, he goes, I want to tell you, this is all happening because Jesus Christ has done this. And Jesus Christ is open it. And this person says, who's Jesus? He shares with them, the jailer comes to Christ and is believed to be one of the first converts in the Philippian church. And from there, 
Paul and the Philippian jailer begin to meet a handful of other people and they begin to build this church. And in this church, as they were building it, they end up meeting Lydia, a businesswoman who had like a business import export of, of textiles and she basically sold like purple linens. So that's cool. So shout out to businesswomen, way to go. There was a Greek fortune teller that Paul cast a demon out because fortune tellers, if you meet a fortune teller, you just know they're seeing the future through some other eyes. It's not God's, okay? So they go in, cast out the demon. He's like, this is amazing. Like, I want to know more about Christ. He becomes part of the church. Um, the jailer's there. Epaphroditus is there. Um, and so Paul builds this church up. And now it's, about, it's been running about 10 years at this point. When Paul goes in to the, he ends up getting put in jail and he's going to go speak to Caesar and he's going to confront Caesar. Um, and he's, and he's in this, uh, basically he's in chains, getting ready to speak to Caesar. And suddenly, uh, Timothy's with him, who is his right-hand man, his like associate, like his youth pastor, so to speak. And all of a sudden, Epaphroditus comes up and says, Hey, the church took up an offering. We want to give this to you. Take this offering and use it. And Paul goes, oh my gosh, thank you. Like, I could use this money right now. You guys have been so generous. And he goes, you know what? Can you send this letter back to the Philippians? Just tell the church, thank you. And will you tell the church, every time I think of you, there is a joy that's in my heart. Every time I think about each and every one of you, there is a joy that comes in my heart. And I know, and I'm really confident that what God started in your church will continue until the reveal of Christ. And he, he writes this letter and he says, Timothy, take a letter. So Timothy would have written this down for him, gives it to Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus says, thanks. And he brings it back to Philippi and they're reading this letter to the church, which is pretty cool. Isn't that great? And I love what Paul says. This. I love when Paul says that be thankful for those around you. You know what I mean? It's like when you are thankful for those around you, it's like you're looking and saying, wow, like it's easy to be thankful for your wife, for your kiddos, for your family, for your best friend. But it's also to be like, wow, I'm grateful beyond the people that are given back to me that's easy to give back to. I'm thankful for people in my church. I'm thankful for the people that, hey, there's something special about our church. And I like when Paul says, every time I think about fill in the blank, I give thanks for you. Think about that for a second. Every time, and I was thinking about this for myself, every time I think about, think about someone in your church, think about those people in your biblical community that surround you. Think about the women in your sisterhood, if you're a lady in here doing sisterhood AM or PM. Think about the brotherhood, the men of God in our church that are sharing. Think about your youth group, teenagers. Think about um, coming in on a Sunday. Who are you thankful for? Because that's the mark of what a Christian should be thinking. Like, man, every time I think about our church and I think about this person, I'm just, I'm grateful. I mean, I, we just did a leadership night um, last weekend and we did this thing called treat yourself. And what, and what that means is this, we're like, we're so grateful that I'm so thankful that you served in this capacity. Then the, then the church counts on the sound of three, treat yourself. And we give them a Starbucks gift card to say, thank you, because we're so grateful. So for all of the people that are serving and volunteering, we just want to say thank you. You know what I mean? We are thankful for um, the people that are serving beyond them. I think of the salt team. I've got some pictures of the salt 
salt men, and it's serving in all the little things is what, this is a ministry not started by me. It was the men in our church that said, we love Bible studies, but we love to do stuff. And we're like, okay, well, let's channel the doing into making a difference for, for people that are like widows and hurting people and, and families that need it. And so you, there's pictures coming up that are showing what these guys have been up to over the course of the last handful of months, maybe the last year, even when it started, I think it was last fall, they've been going out, installing things, carrying salt downstairs for, 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 for grandmas that can't carry it, fixing stuff, helping um, our, um, our military families when they're gone away, serving them. There's just so many great things about it. And not only that, some of these pictures are from, um, not only that, but our church in general going out on serve day where we bless, where we bless Woodbury. There's just something great about going in and saying, man, every time I think of what God is doing in our church, like, I love it. You know, like it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible opportunity for us to be able to say, so man, if you have been, you know what, I want to do this. If you volunteer, volunteer in the church, um, in any way, or you are on the salt ministry team, or you are on our life teams, or you are involved in the Woodbury outreach, can I just, can we just give a clap for those people that have served faithfully? Thank you. I am thankful every time I think about, about it. I am like, thank you, Jesus, for these people. It's awesome, you know? Um, and it's hard because here's the deal. Not everybody's going to get along with each other. I mean, that's just the reality. Not everybody's your flavor. Not everybody's your style. Not everybody seems to connect with people. And, but I've, I've realized this. Conflict is opportunities is an opportunity for you to grow. Conflict is an opportunity for you to grow and to be able to say, you know what? Even though they rub me the wrong way, maybe there's something in this relationship that you're trying to do in me, God. Maybe there's something in this relationship that you were trying to, to, to refine me in, and maybe you put that person there. Maybe there's an opportunity. You know, I, Abraham Lincoln put a quote out. It says, when they asked Abraham Lincoln, how do you deal with your enemies? Abraham Lincoln said, if at all possible, I turn them into my friends. Isn't that interesting? To be able to look and, and, and God says, man, if you're supposed to bless those that persecute you and pray for those that are harming you, you can't help. Your, your hatred towards them begins to shift a little bit. Even in the, in the instances, theologian James Boyce says, I think that 90% of all divisions between true believers in this world would disappear entirely if Christians would learn to pray specifically and constantly for, for one another. Let's, we should be praying for each other and loving each other and being, coming into this place and saying, we are, we're for you, that we are with you, that even though you're on the journey and things are different and they may be difficult and, you, and, and things look different, we're going to believe with you. And if there's an issue in the church, Christians should be the first one. We should be the quickest to forgive we should be the first to let go of grudges, right? We should be the first to come in and go and say, you know what, I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm going to see you the way God sees you. You're a child of God, and I'm a child of God. We're in the same family, so move on.com, right? Like, get over it. Because you know what? That'll just hold you back. That'll set you back. And the more that you can go and say, I'm not going to allow this issue to, 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 to harm me and set this in my relationship. I am an undefendable person. I said 20 years ago, Heidi will vouch. We both are. We said, we will never be offended. Ever, ever, ever. Every time we think of someone, we say, well, bless them. Thank you, God, for them. Thanks, God, for them. When family, with people, relationships, neighbors, cray-cray, that can open up a can of cray-cray in my, in my neighborhood, in the church, in the youth group, in, in wherever. It's just like, you know what? We got to see them the way God sees them first. And then you move on. And then when you get past that, you're like, hey, this is great. Like, I, you can give thanks then for your church versus I like the church if it wasn't for those people. You know what I'm saying? Give thanks to God. It just, it'll change everything. And that's the beauty of it. I like how it says that I give thanks for you every time. 
because he who began the good work is faithful to complete it. There's something about the process. There's something about the, that he who began the good work is faithful. And I like that Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion. And that's the thing. We are people in process. When you become a Christian, you are not instantly the perfect believer. Are you? You're not. That when you begin the perfect work in this, Paul's saying, I love that you guys are all in process. That the Philippian jailer that didn't know Christ, that talked like a convict, because he's around convicts all the time, suddenly his life is beginning to change. I like how the, the fact that when Paul says, hey, when, when he says there's, there's parts, there's people that when they come to Christ, it takes a while. My father didn't know Jesus. Uh, my mom became a Christian when I was 16. I became a Christian when I was 22. My dad became a Christian like 10 years ago. And, and if you were to listen to him and listen to him talk and listen to him share, you know, he's always, he was just, he was a man that, he's a Vietnam War vet. He's got his own little language that he talks about, kind of stuff. And, and you know what? My mom was patient. For those of you that are waiting for spouses to turn around, my mom was married to him for, for 35 plus years before he became a Christian. She would go to church by herself. She would take my brother and me at times. And then, we, and then my, brother is, my brother just became a Christian very recently as well, finally. So all of a sudden, my mom is seeing for the first time her whole family know Christ. And, it's been, and that's been on the journey for 49 years for her. You know what I'm saying? Like that is life. Like that is, so we have to be able to say, we're on journey, we're in process. Not every Christian's gonna be perfect. Everybody, the one thing that God's working on you about is not the same thing that God's working on the other person, right? Because then all of a sudden when you're just like, well, they need to, all of a sudden, man, uh, I'm not gonna get too close to them because they, they got a swearing problem. Let's just use that. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, well, maybe they do. But and you know what? And maybe God's not working on that in them. Maybe God's working upon an addiction that's going on in their personal life. And swearing is kind of just another thing to add to it. So God's like, I'm going to work. In, I'm going to get your sexual, your identity figured out first. I'm going to get your sexual addiction, addiction taken care of. You know, I'm going to work on your addiction to alcohol first. You know what? I'm going to work on the relationship to get you restored back to your father so that you're not going to sit there and live in resentment. So you know what? We're kind of not going to focus on, 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 your, on your drinking and your swearing right now. Does that make sense? Because people are in process. Do you have the grace and the patience to walk with someone for the, for the long haul? Do you have it? So that you can walk with them and say, you know what, we're going we're to go for it. We're, we're going to walk in this grace. We're going to see this. You know what, go on the journey. All of a sudden, they come back with you with a tough, with a tough thing. They give you a tough answer. They, they, they say something about you and you're like, I invested all this time in them. It's like, nope. We don't say, you know what, they're a child of God. We're going to keep walking because that's what God's called us to do is to love people and to be graceful for it. Because if God is grace, graceful with you, and he showed patience with me, then we should show patience to others because people are in process. I mean, I call it the wear and tear on, a, on someone's life. You know what I'm saying? I just went and bought a car and I was in the dealership and we were, Heidi's, Heidi, who is my perfectionist, beautiful perfectionist wife goes, oh, there's a little ding there. There's a ding here. Can we get like $2,000 off on this ding? And the guy's like, yeah, no, it's not happening. And I'm like, at least she's working it. But I'll go and see this thing. And he goes, but hey, you know what? Um, but we did, we did that point inspection. We went and we put on the special coating on it. And you know what? There's a few dings on this, but it's wear and tear. It's going to come with the vehicle. Now there's certain things they can do on the vehicle. They can, t they can pop the dents out. They can, they can shine it up. 
They can put on the rust-proof coating and put the thing on the front of the car that protects it from rocks and all this stuff. I've learned a lot buying a car recently. But you know what? But there's something where it says, that's wear and tear it comes as. It's just, you can't, you can't take that ding out. You know what I mean? That's just part of wear and tear. And I feel like part of the journey as a Christian is there is wear and tear on the journey, right? Which you kind of get the dings, you kind of, the rocks kick up, they kind of hit you. And you look at this saying, you know what? There is something to this journey to where even though there is something about it, it's like, but we're in process. I can still, you know, there's moments that we're going to go through the car wash and we're going to wash away the filth of the road. There's moments that we can take it to an expert and, and pop, a, pop a ding out for 25 bucks. But then that engine is wearing down. There's certain things on this car as it's trying to move for, as you're driving it and it's moving down the road, eventually it's going to wear out. You can only do so much and that's part of the wear and tear and that's part of just saying, you know, it's, sometimes you got to accept people with the scratches and the dings, right? Sometimes you got to accept people in the midst of looking at it just saying, hey, maybe there is something do this to go and say, you know what, even though it's a little ding, you know, that's an imperfection. You know what, there's, there, there's, there's so much in this person and I need to trust it and believe in the process. Because here's what I've realized is God doesn't get bored and move on with you. He's faithful to complete it. Can everybody say faithful to complete it? I want you to hear that word because God doesn't move on. I get bored and move on. I mean, I promise you, like there's been instances where I look at this. I mean, I tried to watch Downton Abbey. I couldn't finish it. I'm sorry, Heidi. It's called, like, I know. I hear the women like, how in the world could you not finish it? Prince William, whatever his name is, with died in a car wreck and princess, la, da, da. I have no idea who even these people are because I'm like, move on. It's like, it's done. Like, I have zero desire. You know what I mean? I've tried boba tea. I moved on. It's not that great. I've tried it. My daughter's trying to tell me it's the greatest tea in the world. Little floaties, little, little dealio. It's like, I can't get in it. It's not good. I've, try, I've tried dancing with the stars. I don't get it. Zero desire. Tried it. I have to move on. Like there's things where I will get bored and move on. But God doesn't get bored with you. He's like, I'm with you, dude. I'm walking with you. I am faithful to complete it. What I started back here, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. It's going to happen. Come on, somebody. It is working. God is moving. God is taking it. God is saying, we'll work it out. We're going we're gonna to take that den out. We're going to take this. We're going to oil change here. We're going to do this. We're gonna, I'm with you for the long haul. So we need someone to be faithful because not everybody's faithful. Some of us have walked through divorce and we're just like, they said, they said, till death do us part. And here I am. It's like, but God has never left you. Even though it's, it's, it's hard. You know what I mean? Well, my, but my family's done this, this, you know, that, that job let me go. They fired me and it was, but God has been with you through the whole way. If you're a Christian, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. So God has never left you. He's been with you. And that's the security to say, thank you, God that you're with me and that you guarantee that the outcome is going to be good. God guarantees the outcome is going to work out for your benefit in the midst of loss, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of a job loss, in the midst of a financial loss, in the midst of, of the loss of a human being, a loss of life. I was on the phone praying with someone on Thursday because they lost their child. Someone in our church recently as they were expecting a baby and it passed away. And I was, sitting in, I was sitting in my home office because I'll get my office in three weeks, but I'm on my bed just saying, I love you, man. I'm so sorry. And I'm talking to the dad and it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, I was believing for a son. And I said, I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know the answer. 
But I said, I said, I'm here. I know God's with you through it all. That's all you can say. That's all you can say. And so we're just praying. And then he, he gives me a, 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 a um, you know, a, a Marco Polo back. He's like, hey, he goes, uh, we are at the doctor and it's all good. And I know God's faithful in the midst of my loss. And he goes, thank you for just walking with me through it. Maybe that's what we need to do as a church. Just walk with people. Stop trying to provide an answer. Stop trying to change them. Stop trying to get them all the time. Maybe you just need to be there and pray with them. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. And all of a sudden, hey, will you help me with this area? Hey, I just need you to help me with this. Hey, could you, I need to talk with you about this. Hey, you know, you were there then a year ago. Now I'm having a discussion with you about this area, about this part of my life, right? That's what the church is supposed to be for. I will not know. I'm so tired of running to people that say I left. The the lady in there, um, there was a lady that I just met recently in our community. And she said, and she said, I got, she, you know, basically something happened in the church. Uh, I think she was pregnant. And the, the, unfortunately the, the church at the time said, well, you can't be here because you're pregnant on a wedlock. And she walked away and she goes, I'll never go back to church. And she goes, but you were the first pastor that I've ever talked with. And she's crying. I'm praying for her in the middle of Woodbury town. And she's crying. She's like, what is this? And I go, that's the Holy Spirit saying that you belong. That even in the midst of just dealing with your own issues, we all have issues. No one's issue less. We all have issues. So why not, why not say, come back in the filth of it all and the dirtiness and the messiness of community. Come be a part. See what God will do. And let's walk with them. And we still speak truth and love. It's grace and truth working together. Each, it's of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Jesus came in grace and truth. So we don't, we don't devoid the truth. But so many people are so truth-centered, we miss the grace. You know what I'm saying? So let's be grace and truth people. And our church will be that because we will be, I want people to never ever leave our church because they've been disappointed. I want them to be like, we launched them out. We, they, don't, they don't leave in despair because, because we, were t- we were too critical, you know? So may, may the grace of God and the truth of God, maybe walk in step with that. So how do you build a healthy community? A couple quick thoughts. One is um, find good soil. Find good soil. How do you build a healthy and joyful community? Find good soil. Your surroundings matter. Who your surroundings stuff matters? Young people, who is at school? Like, who is at school that's inspiring you? Who is in school right now of who's in giving you good? Who, who is, because seeds need soil to grow. And if the soil's good and it, it has nutrients and it has oxygen and it has all the stuff necessary, that seed's gonna grow. But put seed in bad soil and it's never gonna grow. It's gonna stifle its growth, Right? And soil, that's why soil is important. Soil is a big deal. Soils become buried. Soil sustains life. And so guess what? Whatever you are surrounded with is your soil. And you need relationships that are life-giving, oxygen-giving, nutrient-giving. You know what I mean? Put yourself in that position with the people that are going to say, hey, you know what? I need life. If you're in a community that's not giving you life and you were disappointed and you were, and you were bummed out about it, then get in soil that's life-giving. Get in soil that's life-giving, that just says, you know what, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know about this church yet, but I hope you experience life here, right? I hope it's life. I hope you're growing, you're germinating in this community. That's my prayer. Another one is define your circles. There's a series Pastor Rob had about defining your circles and Jesus had a best friend and then he had three and then he had 12 and then he had the 72. Who are those people in your life that are defining you? That are that are you're surrounding yourself with? Open up your circle to invite others in and create circles if you don't got them. You know, and I was just talking with 
um, Jessica, one of our congressmen, she's like, yeah, I've got this really cool purse circle and it's really cool. And it's just like, is this us who are praying for things and people and stuff in life? I'm like, awesome, that's a circle. Who is, who's in your prayer circle? Who is a best friend that's a Christian that you can confide in? Who are, the, who are the 12 women at Sisterhood that you can say, I got 12 women at Sisterhood, like the 12 disciples. If Jesus needed 12 to change the world, maybe I need 12 to change the world, right? Who are those people? Who are the men in your life that are beyond just anything, beyond just being, that, that are filled with the hope and the truth of Jesus Christ, right? Who is mentoring you pastorally, professionally, personally? A mentor is someone who has lived and is living where you want to be on the journey. So who is in your life now that has gone where you need to be going? Find them. Ask to go to coffee with them once a month. Invest in them. Some of you have a leadership gift and and you're a mentor. Get men in our church and mentor them. Grab them. Full authority, permission to grab and go and go out to coffee. You know who you are. Grab them and go. Um, Another one. Give the gift of authenticity. Community without natural chemistry is forced. So you know what? You have the responsibility to cultivate authenticity. We need authenticity. Authenticity is a gift. It's one of the greatest gifts that you can give someone. But here's the challenge. You have to go first. Authenticity demands it. If you want authenticity, you have to go first. You've got to be the one to take authentic initiative. It's important to make that connection authentic when you meet someone. And that happens when you choose to give them the gift of going second, as you are the first to open up. So be the first to open up. Be the first. So as the creator of connection, the builder of community, as the leader of leaders, you take that authentic of initiative first and give them the gift of going second. Because the most authentic you is the you others are longing for and what God is waiting for. Authenticity dismantles who others want you to be and enhances who you're supposed to be. That's the beauty of authenticity. Be a greenhouse, not a castle. That's another piece of advice I'll say. I think a lot of times we live in a world where we are that castle, where the mo- we, built, we dig a moat around ourselves, we fill it full of like, what is it, alligators and sharks and all like, you know, man-eating creatures, right? And then we close up the castle doors and we mount like, you know, archers in the window saying, don't step a foot near me because I've walled myself closed. You will never, ever get in this castle. Well, that's not, that's not great. I say this, be a greenhouse. What I love about greenhouses, and you, I think people could either be um, castles or greenhouses. I'm going to challenge you to be a greenhouse because greenhouse means it's a safe place to grow despite the conditions around you. Greenhouses are created to grow in all seasons. Greenhouses are meant to have environments that are conducive to grow. There's plenty of light. There's plenty of water. The atmosphere is great. Have you been to the St. Paul, uh, I think it's conservatory, in the middle of winter? It's fantastic. You're like, look at the blooming flowers. Whoa, it's, you know, this is my, I can't afford to go Hawaii. I'll just go to the conservatory or whatever it's called, right? You walk in there, it's like, this is what a greenhouse is. It's blowing snow outside, but you're in this environment that's just like, wow, things are growing. Be a greenhouse. But here's the question. What's the condition of your own relational environment? Are you shy? Is, is the light there? Is, is, it, is it good? Are you a person that comes in and they find growth and, and nurture and, and, they're, and they're thriving when they're in your friendship circles? When they come to our church, our church, not my church, your church, our church, when they come here, are they growing? Is, are people finding life and growing? Or are they asked to 
or do we have to, or, or do we wall up? Are we a castle where we wall, wall up, put up the walls and close things up? Because we're about to be flooded with a lot of people because we're going to open up and I'm telling everybody about our church. And if you're new here, welcome. I hope you're feeling the love today because I met some new people in here, but this is what it's going to be about. Lastly, I'll close with this. Add value to others. I think there are, there are four kinds of people when I, on this point, I was thinking about it. There are those that add and multiply and there are those that subtract and divide. There are people that will drain you and they will subtract from you and they don't add value. They drain you, they drain you, they drain you. There are people that divide you and they come in and they'll go and say, yeah, he's great, but she's not so great. Yeah, I like him, but I don't really care for him. Really, you like him? Weird. Okay, that's, that's division. There are people that will subtract from and they'll divide you. Be someone that adds value. Don't be that. Be someone that adds value. Be someone that adds to people's life. Add encouragement, add hope, add peace, add blessing, add favor, add kindness, add it. Add that. And not only add, be that, but be a multiplier. That's a classic biblical discipleship, which is saying, hey, I want to raise you up. You know what I mean? I love what Heidi has been done in the last three years. She went and said, you know, she came here and she's like, hey, I need a sisterhood team because um, I, we got to multiply people because it's not the Heidi show, nor can I do it all. And I love it that Linda stepped up to, raise, to, to help lead sisterhood. And with that, Jess is leading the AM. And we've got um, a team where Lori Thrush is out there like sending out emails. And you've got like um, sisterhood table leaders. They had a great night Wednesday night just getting ready. I mean, Jess and Heidi were talking like, it was so great. The teaching was great. And so thanks, Linda, for doing that. But that's a multiplying effect because Heidi and I were stuck in a car by. We couldn't even be there. Heidi didn't have to be there for there to be a great sisterhood because you multiply and you inspire people. You know what I'm saying? So biblical community. So I just want to, so be someone that's going to add and multiply, not divide or subtract. That's my last point. I want to call us to stand. We're going to close. And as we close here right now, and um, I'd like, if you're on a prayer team, why don't you pop to the left and to the right? I want to pray for us. And as we get ready to close in prayer, um, I just want to say this is, um, if there's someone, if you're in here and you would say, um, and actually I do want to take a moment of privacy for us. So if you could close your eyes for a moment, because I want to make this a private moment. If you wouldn't mind, I want to speak to those that are in here that would say, I'm hearing a lot about Jesus, but I don't know a lot about how um, to find, I, I hear a lot about Jesus, but how do, I, how do I get connected to him? If you would say, hey, I need community, I need belonging, it's going to start with Christ being able to, accepting you. And it starts there and you find the love and acceptance of Christ that you're seeing and feeling in this place. And Jesus accepts you despite your sins, despite the issues, despite the wear and tear in your life, Christ can transform you. And so if you're in here, you would say, I've never, ever accepted Christ, but I, I want to be on that journey that what God would begin, he'd be faithful to complete it. Just slip a hand up. I just want to pray for you if that's you. Just looking around, just going to agree with you. I'll just see your face. That's all I need if that's you in here. Anybody would say, I need Jesus today. Just want to be encouraged. All right. Okay. All right. Hey, I want you to go, and if you're by someone, if you're with your family, can you just put a hand on the shoulder, grab, grab the hand of a family member. If you're flying solo, then grab the hand of your roommate or grab the hand if you're in a ministry with that person, just put a hand on their shoulder. I just want to feel, this is the expression of community. Say, we belong, this is community. And we belong in community. And so I just want to pray a prayer that who you're next to has been sent there by God for you, most likely, 
to inspire you, to encourage you, to make you a better person, to make you a thriving Christian, to make you um, be used by God in powerful ways to build the church. So God, thank you for these relationships. Thank you for families in here. Bless them. Thank you, God, for dads and moms that are holding the hands of their kids. Bless them. Thank you for roommates. Thank you for people that are caring for each other. Bless them. Thank you, God, for this church that says, even if you're new, this hand on your shoulder says you belong, that you're supposed to be here, that this is important, that Christ is necessary for your life, this church is necessary for your life, the kingdom of God is necessary for your life. Bless them. We pray this all in the awesome name of Christ, O Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, guys, thanks for coming to church today. And um, yes, praise the Lord. Hey, if you need prayer, come to the left or the right. If you've got a need, um, they're here really ready and willing to pray. Just make your way down. If not, after party in the lobby, donuts and coffee. Thanks for coming to church. God bless you guys. Let's have a great week at River Valley. God bless.